You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series which is now finally available to buy in the united states click on the banner on one of us order today and join in the fun now because delicious volume two yum 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 is coming really soon a perfect gift for your child or those of you who are forever young at heart one of us strongly recommends this one Welcome to another exciting episode of One of Us, where we are going to explore a mystery that I like to call Twitter, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and just as Twitter will end, this movie will end with everything on fire. <laughs> Thank you, Bo. We, uh, we need that little southern intro from yourself. Yeah, I would ask all the audience members to buttress yourself for further oh. southern accents. Now, what, what did... The Twitter movie be how to lose friends and alienate people. <laughs> no, that 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 was Twitter uh, a year ago. <laughs> the Twitter now is is just a a mass of blue checks and flames. <laughs> well, of course, we are talking about the the new film by Ryan Johnson, uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. It's premiering on Netflix here pretty soon. Ooh. Was it like I think the week of or this week or next week for Thanksgiving? I don't know. Who cares? I believe so. Whenever Within the holiday. Holiday season, you will be able to see it. Whenever Wright edits this, you will know it's you, out at a certain point. It'll say it in the text. But uh, <laughs> it's the new Knives Out mystery, and uh, just like the first one, uh, Daniel Craig is back as Benoit Blanc uh, as the Southern Kentucky Fried uh, Detective. <laughs> uh, Southern... I, say, I say, I say, I think that dog over there did it. <laughs> uh, look, I say what you will about his uh, performance and the accent from the first one, because I know that that's what everyone like really was just like, whoa, this is too much to take. But this one, I did not mind it at all. I didn't even think about it. I thought he was just a Southern gentleman the entire time. <laughs> I think the, the original was, it, it came as such a surprise to hear James Bond sound like sure. Foghorn Leghorn that <laughs> totally, everybody was like, totally. I don't know about this accent thing. But I think most people came away with love-hate relationship with it. Yeah, yeah. And they talked about it so much that with this one, Johnson was just like, Fuck it, in for a penny, in for a pound, we're just going to lean into I, it. I mean, you know, clearly James Bond is a Dapper Dan man. Okay. <laughs> well, I... 
<laughs> Ain't this movie franchise a geological anomaly? <laughs> Two weeks from everywhere. Uh, so, anyway, uh, with, with, me, with me today to talk about uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, I have uh, the aforementioned Bo. I'm pleased to be here. Oh, and I have Ben. Well, ain't that a peach? Oh, Jesus Christ. And I have Kim. Howdy, y'all. Can't wait to solve this mystery. I lo- <laughs> it's the gun-toting one. It was like, hello, yeah. I'm here to... <laughs> yeah. right. so, Shoot him up. <laughs> now, this what I really do love about what uh, I'm assuming what Ryan Johnson's wanting to do with the uh, Knives Out Mysteries is that he's going to do more of these. And they're going to be... It's going to be kind of like an anthology movie series, which is a different mystery every single time. I think that's a fucking fantastic idea. But still using Benoit Blanc's character... Or uh, Daniel Craig's character in throughout of him in through all of the films and he's back in this and he doesn't miss a beat but what's really interesting about this one is it takes place well in may of 2020 right in the middle of pandemic and there's a lot of comments at least the very beginning uh, where he's out of work now he can't solve mysteries because no one's dying murdered by anything or they they else. do a they do a it's very much a, a shout out to the the sherlock holmes bit where he's like i just uh, I, I fall apart whenever i don't have any mystery to work with uh, right. i should have to take cocaine and cocaine in this case is uh, his bathtub right which he, he's basically just <laughs> do, sitting nude in smoking cigars and doing zoom with some of the best like people in the world he's doing it like i i think it's quite a shout out to uh other you know, crime solvers. Because yes. One of the people is the the, the lovely and late, uh, unfortunately, Angela Lansbury. Yep. Uh, also, Natasha Leone, who her screen name was Natasha in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ryan Johnson has a new TV series upcoming that he's producing that That's has right. Natasha That's Leone, right. yes. who stars as a uh, she is a a gambler who is really good at reading people's faces, and she becomes a private detective along the lines of you know like. Angela Lansbury's character, Jessica right. Fletcher, was a mystery writer, right. but she also solved crimes. I mean, and the, she also has the best voice of all time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, before we dig into that, it's like, we just got to say, we're not going to spoil much more than that because there's so many cameos in this movie. It's clearly Ryan Johnson called in every friend he has oh, totally. throughout this whole movie, and I love it to death. Yeah. Like, they, so we'll, let's get into the plot real quick sure. because it has a wide variety of characters, just as the first one did, where Edward Norton plays Miles Braun, this dickhead billionaire uh, who invites all of his disruptors. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they might as well have called him uh, Milan Usk. <laughs> or his first name is Dick or Richard, and last name is Head. Uh, but there's also Kate Hudson. She plays uh, Birdie J, uh, just this... Very flamboyant, ditzy character who is just a, I guess she's she's, she's a, fashion, a fashion icon. She's a fashion maven. She started yeah. her own lines of clothes. She's like kind of the 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 proto influencer influencer, right? Type. And Dave Bautista plays a Twitch gamer bro douche. Bro Rogan is bro his. Rogan. It could have been his name. And totally, it would have been right on the nose. <laughs> and Catherine Hahn plays uh, Claire DeBella. I didn't even remember her damn name. I just read it on IMDb real quick. But she plays a governor in some state, and uh, <laughs> running for governor. And then uh, Connecticut, I believe. Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. It's very important. It's not. It's not important. Uh, and Leslie Odom Jr. plays basically like. Number two for uh, for Edward Norton's character, who runs this giant Amazon, Apple, Tesla esque company that's also creating something that could be very, very effective. And last but not least, we also have Janelle Monet, who was the partner or the original founder 
with Edward Norton's character for this uh, crazy company. And they're all invited to an island to participate. Well, to get together for one thing, because they're in, you know, the pandemic, they haven't seen each other and they're all old friends. And the whole idea is that they have to, well, at the very beginning, they have to solve this little puzzle and it's, it's really fun. They're all on the phone together. It's hysterical and they solve it. And then there it's actually an invitation to go through a murder mystery thing, but also Benoit Blanc is invited as well. So thus the yeah. whole movie starts now yeah. kind of like the first one. It's, it's very difficult to talk about anything in regards to like spoilers or anything like that at all, because this, what's so fun about this is one, the dialogue it's hysterical. And just to see just like the first one, the mystery just unravel of right. what ends up happening because it's, there's like a murder mystery game that they're going to play. And then the rest of it goes through that. But I'd love to hear what you guys thought about this. I'd say, this. Uh, I'd say it goes south. It goes. Oh, okay. Well, that's thanks for joining <laughs> yeah, us tonight, guys. Good night, everybody. Uh, good night. Uh, but I'd love to hear what you guys thought about this. So, Kim, how about you lead the way? So, starting off, I did not. I was not a fan of the first half of the movie. Honestly, the way we were thrown into meeting each character, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of jarring, especially since they're all big name actors. So, whenever I see a big name actor playing a bombastic role like Kate Hus- Hudson. She threw me off initially because she's playing, as you said, kind of this flighty, um, burnout ex-model, but also has her own, like, sweatpants business. She was giving me... also accidentally extremely racist at the same time. (laughs) She was giving me a blend of Gwyneth Paltrow and Paris Hilton. Yeah. And it was was very big. She was obviously having so much fun. And initially in her first scene, I did not love it because I, I didn't understand how these people were connected. And they sure. it, they did not really explain the connection between them until about 40 minutes into the film, yeah. which I think was too long. I personally would have okay. flipped their um, friendship introduction to more of the start of the film, as opposed to us kind of meeting all these really random assortment of people who seem like they have nothing in common, mm-hmm. except that they, they're going to this island. So I, I didn't love that. It felt jarring. All the different characters, all their personalities were extremely different. I didn't see any connection between them. And then it took too long for them to explain the friendship. And even when they explained it, I, it didn't really sell me on it. Mainly because they said they all became friends in their 30s. And I was like, you know, no one's making friends in their 30s. Come on now, movie. <laughs> uh, that is the hardest thing anyone could possibly do. By the do. way, fuck you people. I yeah. don't <laughs> around here. Uh, they all went to Cheers, and yeah. that's where everybody knows your name. So that's how they got to no, be friends. It, it's not like I, I do the art that I do because I want to express myself. It's just to fucking meet people. <laughs> yes. The, I, I, I know what you mean. And I feel like that in a way, uh, because they either just commiserated like misery loves company kind of thing because they're all like failed at something and then uh, edward norton's character kind of comes in and like sort of saves their lives in a way and it's just kind of this thing where like i i I don't know if you've ever played this game or just this uh terrible uh question for you you would ask yourself like would i be friends with my family and that's the thing is like with these people like they they're all so different why in the hell to your point, like, why would they want it, to be friends reminds, with one another? It reminds me there's an SNL sketch where it's, like, a bunch of people, like, bumping themselves up for, like, the worst stupid failure in their life. And a guy comes up at the end and goes, hey, can I take your picture for a book about the biggest losers who don't realize they're losers? <laughs> oh, yeah, great. It's going to be in a book. Like, that's this right. group. And that's – and I kind of believe that because I'm like, look, I'm not drunk at a bar. Like, look, Chris met Marco at a bar. 
clearly, clearly, that you know, did not work out. Older losers can all find each other. I mean, <laughs> I actually introduced Chris to Marco, but I will admit that I oh, am so an, I am an, I am a no. <laughs> I'm Point not has a, been made. I am I am not the king. I am the nexus <laughs> of losers. You're the original. That's quite variants. a different thing. Yeah. It, perhaps it might have made a difference if they'd set it up like, oh, well, these are these are friends from college or school. Sure. Because those are the people that you'll ride or die for a little longer than you will other people, even though, like, you know, 20 years later you have nothing in fucking common. Right. But that didn't really bug me. I, I think that, that... So, first of all, this movie is a has a lot of wicked, wicked satire in it. Oh, yeah. Of, you know, what's going on right now and how the world's on fire and... and of course, they reference the pandemic a lot, but it's very much also associated with, you know, the explosion of, of corporate America, billionaires, social media. They're all things that, that they touch on. And while they're doing these introduction bits, there are so many, like, wicked little smart, funny things that, that I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going along with this because it's a lot of fun. I certainly will say that pretty much every character in this, including Benoit Blanc, is... A l- larger than life uh, to, to but I don't degree, say th- like not every single character I, yeah, what yeah. I, we, surely and I do want to say that that I don't think they get, ever get into the realm of caricature right but they are exaggerated and that's you know for for purposes of the movie but if you look back to the source material of stuff like this you look at Agatha Christie mm-hmm. you know you're gonna get a lot of those archetypes so it's like Oh, you're the stuck-up kid who plays, you know, who just plays polo and lives off his parents' money. I mean, that's a, a type that we all know if we've watched British Parlor mysteries. But that's what great, at least what Ryan Johnson does is he weaves this great story in all these different motivations that could lead to, let's say, murder. I'll try to keep it as vague as possible when it comes to that, but I, I'm still always, uh, I, I, we were talking about about this after the film, like. Oh, yeah, I guess he does do mysteries. He's, like, yeah. really only done those except for, like, Last Jedi, I guess. Really? Um, yeah, no, that's that's really his milieu. Even Brothers Bloom has, right. like, it's a, a revelatory. Story, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a heist, like, but there are revelatory moments at the end. It's, it's really what I think he does so well in these movies, especially that he's doing the Knives Out, is he's doing Agatha Christie if... Agatha Christie also hated all the rich people who happened to be in her movie. Right. Because every one of them is playing up to be the perfect asshole in every way that you'd expect that person to be. And it's like, they're enjoyable because we all enjoy the caricature. Right. But they also clearly are, like, detestable people. We have the right foils to hate them. Like, we get um, we get the uh, Jessica Henwick as Peg, Birdie's assistant. Yeah. Who's like, no, you are a moron, and I'm the only reason you haven't fucking failed yet. And it's like... You feel for her, even though it's like, yeah, you're also tying yourself to a sinking ship at every second. And I, there's there's another character that I don't want to spoil because it's a very big twist of the movie that is very poignant about like why sure. we hate oh, all of these characters. Right. And it only helps further with Benoit getting into it. Just like in the first movie, it's like, it's like you're all really bad people. Like, I don't like well, you and I'm just here for the mystery. Speaking of the first movie, I, I felt like this movie was missing that every every man character Anna de Armas mm. played that character in the first movie. She was essentially the heart of the film. This movie, I think it was missing its heart. Really? And I, I do. And it, it maybe gained a slight heart towards the end of the movie. But for the again, I'm just saying the first half 
did not sell me because I could not connect to any of these characters. And I know they were doing commentary about, you know, rich people during the pandemic uh-huh. and how they were living different lives than all of us. But it was just so far removed from me as a as a viewer. I felt like I really couldn't connect to anything I was seeing because they were big characters living this extravagant lifestyle and everything that they were experiencing, it was just too outside the realm of me to sympathize or care about really. Whereas in the first movie, obviously Anna de Armas as a, as a working class nurse. I get that, but like, man, okay. So we can't talk about this because it is spoiling something, but there is a character who I think does act as that role as like, the 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 audience's uh, uh, avatar. avatar, yeah. I, I will say I do want to technically. I will still agree with Kim on that. It's a bit jarring in the beginning when you're meeting these characters, mostly because they all act so friendly to each other instead of like hating the bigger, larger than life each one of them are, which we do get more later. But they don't play that up as much in the beginning when they're solving the mystery, which would have actually I felt played better because it's that whole thing of I like the mystery of why these people get along mm-hmm. or why they know each other. Guys, but, you yeah. need to get out more and make more friends. I don't know what We're the trying. fuck you tell I'm, I'm Holy just, shit. Look, I'm just I saying... I definitely have friends that I made in my 30s that I'm still tight with. Holy crap. No, sure. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the fact that it's like, look, each of you clearly would have reasons you hate the other one. We see that later in the movie. But when they're first talking on the phone, we see them as just really friendly with at most some jokes at Birdie because Birdie's so... Uh, off the wall dumb yes well there but, no... but i still enjoyed that part but i will agree with kim that's like it is a bit more jarring because it's like why don't why do you get along so well we don't know anything well, about and i will say it, over the phone in the first interaction with the group they are very friendly yes. and yes. then when they meet in person they're fairly cold to each other that's my this point like passive aggressive sort of approach that's what i'm saying is if we had that them, more yeah. over the phone where they were almost uh... begrudgingly working with each other but they clearly got along on certain things would have made sense but Instead, we just have these this group of like, well, why is this men's rights activist working with this clearly left wing senator? Why is why is this scientist working with this you know stupid you know you know? Well, heiress? yes, but that's a question that that goes on to uh, be answered. Yes, but I'm saying because and, they're so friendly. And also, you know, I I would also argue that even during the phone call when they're they're setting things up, there is a lot of needling There's going on to each other with with the same, especially with with Han dealing yes. dealing with with, with Birdie with and Birdie. just saying, saying something like and, and yes, just, Birdie, yeah, making like some very passive aggressive comments and even towards uh, Dave Batista mm-hmm. and you know. I have had friends that have gone off in directions contrary <laughs> to my own beliefs, and I will definitely say that it's just like, you know, there is a point that you're just like, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm cutting you off. Like but a Chris it, Cox, it, you would say, yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, Chris Cox. Yeah, you know, definitely. I used to love that guy, and you know, you listen to the stuff that he does now. I, I'm so glad that he's not here to hear any oh. of this because <laughs> Jesus Christ, that man. I bet he's I over mean, there looking at Legos or something you know, in his house. Yeah, G- it, it's like. <laughs> It, it must be like what it's like to be a, an oppressed minority and like you just throw off the yoke <laughs> of the person that's just been keeping you down for so long. Anyway. Uh... Chris is totally not here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in, by the way. Uh, okay. I mean, we do that every time Bo shouts at Chris when Chris tries to give him shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, let's uh, – let's, because I would love th- – this is a movie that I think that also deserves to be talked about in greater links with like all the different like the the different twists and yeah. what happens and it's very difficult to talk about that because 
I think this movie deserves to be watched not knowing what in the hell you're going to get into because what I think they also did extremely well is the marketing for this. I thought this was going to be something very different Mm -hmm. and just like the original movie, it threw me for a loop almost immediately. Oh, you thought Edward Norton was going to be a good guy? Okay, well, but uh, but let's go into final thoughts. Uh, and Bo, why don't you lead the way? Uh, so I was a big fan of this movie. I was laughing right off the bat. We heard uh, you. I really think that this did more for me than the original. And I will agree with Kim that the, the original uh, movie is... A little bit grittier and mm-hmm. way more grounded in reality. I will absolutely say that this is there's there's some farcy aspects to this. There's some satire aspects to it, and by virtue of those two facts, it gets a lot broader. As I said previously in the uh, review, uh, I think Benoit Blanc becomes a little bit more uh, of a character. They, they kind of lean into that, like, "Oh, you thought that that southern accent was funny? Well." Wait till you see the wardrobe for this movie. Well, fuck you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Do you know Southern Dandy still exists? <laughs> uh, but for the most part, it really worked for me. This movie entertained me more than a, a lot of movies have in a long time. Mm. Uh, you know, just in that wheelhouse of I, I laughed a lot. I was really engaged by the, the mystery. Uh you know, there were some some wonderful like left turns. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! Are they going to do that? Or are they going to do that?" And I'm not to toot my own horn, but I'm generally pretty good at spotting those. And I was like, "Wow, you you threw me for a loop with that. Good." Yeah. Um. And yeah, the 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 cast was, as far as I'm concerned, very astounding. I thought everybody looked like they were having a blast. Um. I I love the characters, and I love what they say about the garbage trash can fire that we are currently going through (laughs) so kudos to that uh i will easily uh go see knives out movies and and i think i will will enjoy myself seeing those but but this is this is an auspicious start to what is hopefully a big franchise yeah so uh kudos to that uh i give it uh nine Porsches that you store on your roof out of 10. <laughs> oh, I got it. Uh, <laughs> ben. And you will too if you see the movie. <laughs> ben, what are your final thoughts? So I got to say, like, when Knives Out came out that year, it was my favorite movie that year, which is saying something because that was the same fucking year as Parasite. I will say, because I'm blind. No. I, no, no, I will say, no, literally, like, as the critical like analysis, I have to say, Parasite is probably the better movie, is almost definitely the better movie. Sure, but Knives Out is so much fun. But Knives, fun. Yeah, Knives Out is exactly my type of movie. Oh. It is a brilliant mystery. What this movie, just like that one does, is mysteries that literally are layers upon layers that actually make sense when you unravel them and get explained, which is rare, because mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson is a fantastic writer in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's also, yeah, brilliantly funny witty and sharp about everything it does and this really nails that again i mean look i had some of that complaints as i said that i agree with kim about some weirdness in the beginning but part of that i love though because it's so much of this movie the first half is trying to understand so what is going to be our mystery here and that is half the fun of keeping you guessing then when you start knowing what's going on in the second half you're like well fuck now what's going on it's layers upon layers of that into a wonderful glass onion which yeah is the joke into itself and it's so good. And like, I, it's what changes the, from this one from the first one is 
this is much more actually referencing a Poirot type of movie where he's a very well-known detective who happens to be in a place where a mystery happens. And right. what, well, what's he going to be there and for the mystery for? people know who he is. And yes. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's the fun of this one where it's like, if you're a big mystery fan, you're seeing where they're cribbing in this one. And it, and it gets incredibly smart and incredibly sharp on this one. I At points, I was worried. I was like, maybe I like this less than Knives Out. But as it gets to the end, it's just, it folds together so well. And the more I've thought about it since we've left and we've discussed it more, I'm like, I might love this one better in its different ways. It's really hard to say, but I honestly, like, we got lucky enough to see this in a theater. It is rare for a Netflix movie. Um, I don't know if they're actually doing a theatrical release for this. I I think they're doing, like, a one-week engagement. Okay. And honestly, if they keep doing more of these, I would love to see every one of them in a theater. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a huge Ryan Johnson fan. And honestly, if you know his work, like, the writing is as sharp as ever here. It is... So good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to give it nine out of ten Noah Segan appearances. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Never enough. Kim, what are your final thoughts? Well, like I've already mentioned, I felt like the first half was weaker, um, but I, it picked up in the second half. And if you're going to do it one way or the other, I much prefer a stronger second half because you, you end with a good taste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the characters were really um not connecting with me personally and i'm not a big fan of movies when i don't like i don't like any of the characters all of the characters are are unlikable that's something that's never a draw for me i want at least one character that i can root for um luckily during the second half um benoit blanc became a, a bigger character especially compared to the first movie where he was probably secondary character to um anna de armas and the family in that movie in this film, he was a bigger char- character, and I enjoyed watching Daniel Craig do comedy. I um, never thought I would say that, but he Lo- has Logan great Lucky, timing. Logan Lucky, I think, is hysterical, and he is so funny in yeah. that movie. I've never seen that film. I want to see it now because he's actually pretty hilarious when he wants to be. Yeah. He will back his accent, I feel like, just a, t- a touch to make it more realistic because I'm like, <laughs> where are you from, man? Nobody talks like this. Um, and then also Edward Norton. Another person who I'm so happy to see doing a lighthearted, well, as lighthearted as he could be in this film character. <laughs> right. Usually he's, he's you know, playing a Nazi supporter or he has wow. a second personality. <laughs> hey, hey. Burning hey. down buildings Bruce and whatnot. Bruce Banner was not a Nazi supporter. Come on. I mean, Ed uh, Norton. That we know of. <laughs> Ed Norton worked a long time to build his brand. And I, I think Nazi <laughs> supporters... <laughs> Really, what he That's wanted what to I come out of. on top. He's finally he's like, I, I feel like I'm I mean, seen. to be fair, you know, you, you got a big swastika tattooed on your pack. It's hard yeah. to get past that. Well, I mean, he is a method actor. Yeah. He, well, he was having a, a fun time in this movie, and that made me have a fun time because yeah. um, I, I enjoy him as an actor. Uh, Janelle Monet, we didn't really talk about her much mm. in this. She is phenomenal, I thought. She really, um, she was a grounding character in this film for me because I was intrigued by her the whole film you don't really know what her motives are you don't know what she's on the island for it's it's all she's kind like of deciphered uh, like, what's going on yeah so she's a person to watch in this film but um you you don't, it's just really interesting to see how she interacts with the other people how they interact with her and then it's all a red herring basically so I like movies like that where the whole movie, I'm just like, where is this going? I don't know. It kept me super engaged. And then it kind of ends in a big, it almost action scene, which you don't expect. Yeah. So like I said, the the 
beginning kind of a dud the end really sold me because the 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 big action scenes at the end were exciting and I think it improved on the first film I thought it was a step up as far as um the drama the action the visuals definitely and having more Daniel Craig is never a bad thing so they are improving as they go along so I respect that I'm gonna give this and okay, so I did give it high praise just now, but it was not my it was not my favorite film. But I'm fuck gonna those give it kids. a two out of no joking. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Uh, Jared Leto hard kombuchas. Hey, I, I I do think you know for anybody who's who's wavering on whether they should see this, you do get to see uh, Daniel in a bathing suit, kind so. of <laughs> from 1920. <laughs> <laughs> I I thoroughly enjoyed this flim. Flim? Flim? I uh, well that's one of the words that maybe Edward Norton would say. But um <laughs> uh I I thought this was hysterical. I uh thought it was f- so well written and uh I loved all the characters. I I just had a blast. It was, it felt like such a good comfort movie like i can, i almost want to watch this on thanksgiving with the family just to like just to get all together and uh, <laughs> we've had like we've gone through at this point two and a half years of like hell on earth and we finally is like oh thank god someone having fun and like it's a big mo- it's a big movie and a lot of great actors that are in it and everyone in it is hysterical and it's so well written the cost of Excuse me. The costumes are great. Uh, Janelle Monae, we can't say enough about because she is a luminous being. God I didn't say that it. in my final statement. I remember but, seeing but her on stage live once, uh, and I was like, I, I fucking I, love her so much. A, a, after this and Black Panther, I, I, I want Janelle Monae and Lupita Nyong'o to slowly kill me. Oh, that sounds like a good death. Anyway, um, but I, I thought it was. In a way, this was getting more into what I really like with uh, murder mysteries or just mysteries in general, and uh, it played out the comedy, but not so much to where it was become like Naked Gun-esque or parody or anything, but uh, I just unabashedly kind of love this. So I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 buttresses because (laughs) that was said way, way too Oh, and we are well buttressed. (laughs) There's some some incredible buttress in this film. Well, trust yourself. <laughs>